Welcome back, and thanks for spending the week with us here on the Apollo 13 Minute, a show where each and every day, Monday through Friday, we go over one minute of probably the best uh, space history movie ever made, the 1995 Ron Howard-directed feature, Apollo 13. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of TVDads.com. And I'm your other host. My name is Chris Henry. I'm with the EAA Aviation Museum. And Chris, we're back with uh, our good friend, uh, Rihanna Black, who knows all there is to know about acting and directing and stuff. And she's our she's our clue to the inside <laughs> scoop on, on how all this stuff, well, you know, how the sausage is made uh, out there in Hollywood. Rihanna, thanks for coming back on the show. Thanks for having me. And please be my agent. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Jim, can we just have her on all the time? Because really, she'd just be like was, the three of us oh, now. This is it, fun. <laughs> I think I think that would work good. It just she's it it's she can she can cut through through the mustard of all this stuff. You the, guys the, are the, the haze and the fox. It's <laughs> it's awesome having you on. Um, but we're we're in the middle of lots of this is great uh, uh, action. But it's um, what's the now you would probably know this. There's a rule with um, it it concerns uh, scripting on having uh, women in a show and they're not talking about another man, which this is unfortunately breaking that rule. There, you, I, there is? Do you know that phrase? No. There is a phrase. I can't think of it. Really? No, oh, no. Yeah, and I'm sure many of our listeners are screaming uh, who know, know movie stuff. But there's there's this rule that the, the problem in a lot of scripts, male-oriented scripts, is that um, when you have two women talking or more two, two or more women talking and... Uh, they have a discussion that doesn't involve men. It's a very, it's a rarity in films where they're not huh. talking about a man. That makes sense. And <laughs> unfortunately, this one is not that minute. So it's, they're talking about a guy. <laughs> um, but it's uh, it's interesting. It, it it's a good is it's it a good the, setup. The something oh. test. The something. Something test. The yeah. The be- Bechdel. Be- Bechdel. Beth- Bech- that's it. Bechdel. Thank you. Yes. Sure. Bechdel test. The Bechdel test. I've, and that's yeah. I do remember this kind of. Good, yes, good, good work, yes. The uh, the Bechdel test, and uh, this doesn't have that minute. They're they're always talking about talking about guys. Of course, this is a movie about three guys and you know on their way to the moon, so it's kind of unavoidable. Um, but the uh, uh, this, this has this has a lot of setups for this minute. I'm I'm noticing that there's you know there's a master shot, uh, and then there's uh, close-ups of uh, Kathleen Quinlan. There's close-ups of uh, Ron Howard's mom. There, Gene Spiegel, Howard. And uh, they keep uh, swapping back and forth, and then there's a the the final shot in a minute is is another uh, uh, angle on uh, the three uh, level girls. So uh, this must have taken, I would think, a day at least, or maybe maybe more. I would think at least a day with all the coverage. Yeah, because they have her um, POV, and then they have the Ron Howard's mom's POV, and then yeah, and then there's a couple the close-ups. Ice, and, and, the isolated shot of the older sister, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, and then so the two shot of the mom and the little girl. Yeah, and since they've got two under eighteen girls in the shot, this must have been really hectic. From a, we've only got how many hours do you are you allowed on set? Wait, I don't. I honestly don't remember. I don't think it's maybe twelve. I don't remember. I, I mean, obviously, get overtime. Um, I don't remember. And I'm pretty sure that I let them break the rules all the time anyway. Because <laughs> I just like doing it. Um, You're out, yeah, outlaw girl actor. Yeah, right? Uh, <laughs> That's a cool title, yeah. Yeah. That's I'd my that, autobiography. I'd watch that series. 
Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I'd tune in. That sounds, you should pitch that to Netflix right now. Uh, it, uh, I'm noticing, uh, uh, the the older the older sister who's played by um, uh, Mary Kate Shellhart, uh, she has to she cries through about half of this movie and she has <laughs> constant constant state of red eye and you know uh, glycerin running down her face. Have you had have you had to be in a mostly crying movie? Uh, I had yeah I had two two TV thing, a TV movie when I was fourteen where. I had one huge scene and the entire scene was me crying. Um, and then I did touch my an angel later. And the third scene, I think I did, I had to, ugh, it's actually kind of, I had to pull Paul Walker out of a burning car and I didn't get him. Oh, out. Wow. I didn't get him out in time in the show, uh, which is a weird. Yeah. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. It's, it was awful, but, um, I had to cry all through that too. <sighs> um, and only uh, once was I ever given glycerin. I'm proud to say, and it was only because it was a really a, long you're, day. You're good at waterworks, then on on that. It, I mean, it's what are 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 there tricks to staying in the crying mode for most of an afternoon? Is it just you're exhausted, or you know, for me, it's always just been about kind of staying focused and quiet. Um, I'm pretty, I'm a pretty social person until those scenes, and then I just kind of keep to myself, just because I don't. I don't want to lose the reality of what's going on. Um, yeah. I've never, I've never really been a good fake crier and I admire people who do it because I think it's a gift. Um, it's just not, I, I always feel like that I, I'm not believable when I do that. So I kind of just have to stay emotionally connected to whatever I'm doing. <clears throat> Pardon me. Um, which, which means I can't, you know, play around and talk to people in those moments. But with Touch My yeah. Angel, it was really interesting because they actually... Paul was great and I had to it was a scene where I had to pull my sister they were drunk driving and I had to pull my sister out first and then I go back to the car to try to get him and they blow the car up and the only thing that they that was crucial to that scene I didn't necessarily have to cry uh, was that I hit my mark in exactly the right place because of where the cameras were and they can't really blow up a car twice but I will tell you that when you run back to a car and it blows up fairly close to you and you feel the heat and all that stuff i had zero problem being emotionally connected to that wow it scared the hell out of me and um i mean i was what was 24 or something but uh it 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 was very easy to be emotional in that moment yeah yeah i i I can imagine uh and trying to find you know, trying try to find that little piece of uh, masking tape on the sidewalk where you're, you know, where you're supposed to be at second 16. And yeah, uh, that, yeah, that, I mean, I guess you just leverage your stress on, on that, on that kind of stuff. I think I got um, lucky, to be honest. I think I just hit the mark just because I got lucky. Wow. But um, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I keep thinking about this. If this scene took a day and you had to be, you know, on the verge of tears or near tears, this must be exo- I mean, when you. What do you do when you go home at night after this? You just I sleep. sleep. Or- yeah, I sleep. I feel it's hard for this little girl too because it's not like you know she doesn't have a, really any dialogue. She kind of just has to stay in it the yeah. whole scene. At least if you're talking, you can sort of. I, God, these girls are really good. I mean, it's not yeah. easy to do what they're doing. And clearly, if they're red-faced and puffy, there's actual tears. It's not just yeah. concern. 
Yeah, it's um. I I mean, I don't think there's makeup that can no. that can handle. Is there anything they can do to your eyes to make them more like be anti visine or something? I, I mean, glycerin think. will make them red just because it's yeah. like feels like Vicks from what yeah. I remember. But um, still, that, that could not have been easy for these girls. I Kathleen Quinlan must have been awesome. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, I, thing I, that, the thing that got me is when you when you listen to the dialogue, you know. I mean, you know, the, the the young girl playing Susan breaks down right where you think you'd probably break down. I mean, I'd probably be bawling the entire time, maybe. But, but you know, she's trying to kind of break it down simply for Jim Lovell's mom that, you know, they're okay, but they got to try something, and it's going to be a little bit dangerous. And, you know, everybody knows what's at stake. I mean, so it's just this natural dialogue I always thought was kind of, I don't know, pretty, pretty – uh, well written i guess that that right on cue of where maybe you would build some emotion that that little girl you know does break into to becoming emotional i I just thought it was well timed well and if you you know watching her over and over again she is listening so intently to what's being said which i think is why it works so well because i think she seems genuinely in it watch you guys will interview her and she was like no i was thinking about ice cream like (laughs) just that good like they told me they were going to get recast if they if I didn't get it right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, we're going to tell all the kids back at the trailer. Um, the uh, I, I get the feeling when you're in when you're in this thing, getting getting uh, help from other uh, from other actors, especially Kathleen Quinley. Here, yeah. she looks like she's really. It, this is going to be a you know I'm going to work with you and you're going to get the job done and we're going to get to the other side of this and almost get, getting that hug is almost like you did, you did a good job on this take thank you yeah seriously um, there have been a couple of situations where I have had to do like my close-ups and be emotional in a scene and the other actor they were done for the day and just left and so Ugh. I had to do my close-ups <laughs> with you know the ad. Or the stand-in. And those are particularly hard. And I get the feeling that none of the cast in this movie did that. It seems like that was one of those great lessons I learned very young, which is that you don't bail on other actors. Like, it doesn't matter if your day is done. Even if you're not in the shot. Being a child of the 80s, I I was always blown away by the fact that, like, the and I'm not, I don't want to name the actor's name because I'll get it wrong. But basically, the guy who played the voice of Kit on Knight Rider and like David Hasselhoff didn't meet for like two years. Really? Yeah. Like so they they had like a woman voicing a woman would just read Kit's lines to Michael, and that's how he would you know have like the fun reactions to it. And then they would go into a studio and dub the recordings of of the gentleman playing Kit. And then they were at like a staff like party, and they finally got to meet in like a buffet line. <laughs> like that's, oh, that's how awesome. they met. <laughs> yeah. <Wow>. That's awesome. <laughs> the, what you were saying about about having the actors staying around. Uh, when we talked to uh, Billy Campbell on the Rocketeer Minute about this, he said that was another great thing on that. Uh, and he had only been in one one other movie before that, um, and it was more like a like an institutional movie. It wasn't a feature film, but he said everybody there. No matter who you know, if they were Paul Servino or if they were Alan Arkin or anybody like that, they all stayed around. Even if they, you know, they were just shooting his sides, they'd still stay there and feed the lines to him. And he said that that really helped, especially since it was his first major feature, that the other ones were were supporting him. And it's you know, it's it's a team effort. It's not a, it's you're not doing soliloquies. 
Um, but it's nice. It's nice to know that some some sets are like that. And I guess the director can't enforce that. It's like, where are you going? It's it's up to the actors to decide that they're going to be a team on these things. And I, I mean, to be fair, it, it, that's been rare that it has not been that way. But it it every time it happens, it's always a little jarring. I'm like, where where are you going? And because for me, it's like, why would you not want to be here every second you can be? Yeah, yeah. Even if it's not just helping your actors, it's like you just—I love being on set always. Yeah, it's just—it's—it's—it's it's a very peculiar. I mean, like especially if you think how much it took to get you to yeah. where that is, where you get to be on set. And if you know anybody that's ever been to a studio, you know how many uh, guards you have to pass and how many cards and things you have to sign to get into where they're actually doing the work of uh, of, of acting of you know, of this kind of production. Um, it's it really it's like a free day at Disney when you, yeah when it you is go to these between the callbacks and all the other stuff it's you just treasure yeah. every second yeah. yeah no it's uh it's rough uh when back you know when you when you were when you were at, at this age of of doing things how often did you go to auditions was it was it a weekly thing was it I mean during pilot season I would imagine it's almost a twice a day or three times a day thing I what is she, how old do we think she is like. 10 11 yeah probably 10 or 11 i would think um yeah. i was still in new york then and i was doing um i was doing a broadway show so i was auditioning during the day a ton um but not as much for tv because there wasn't as much production in new york then uh, but yeah i was probably auditioning at least once or twice a day and wow. then you throw in commercials and it's a whole that's a whole other ball game um that's even more stuff but yeah yeah. Do you, uh, are most of them, they give you sides and then you just, you're doing that or are they asking you to, to do a, uh, you know, a recital piece or what, what, what is the, It's almost always one? sides. Uh, yeah. Back in the day, they were faxed. Uh, <laughs> um, and then printed out on a matrix yeah. printer. Um, but yes. but uh, yeah, you'd get the sides. Sometimes it could be an hour before. Um, I always, I had good agents and I've always tried to get the script as often as I can just because I like the context of everything and I like to read anyway but uh you usually you almost always get the sides at least an hour before sometimes a day or two before um and for me with oh my this is going to be terrible to admit uh with super emotional stuff I will only read it through a couple of times because I don't I want whatever is going to happen to happen or not happen organically and I will tell you the two best uh, lessons I ever learned, and I honest God, I can't remember who taught me them, but one of them is when you're doing a crying scene, try not to completely lose it because what is actually harder to watch is watching somebody try not to cry as an audience member. So if you're watching somebody struggle to keep it together, that's actually more emotionally impactful. Um, and then the other thing that was really useful to me. And I was doing a TV movie with Daniel J. Trevani. And that was one, the one time I had to use glycerin at the end of the day. But the thing that he said to me was, you know, just because it says you have to cry, doesn't mean you have to cry the entire time. Like take that pressure off yourself. Because as soon as you see that in the script, you can, it can block you up a little bit. You just kind of let whatever happens happen. And that always took the pressure off me and it made it a lot easier to cry if I had to. Wow, and th- and that you could soak that information up at that age is amazing. I, 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 
I was so lucky, Jim. I had such a, I worked with really amazing people. I really did. I mean, Matthew Broderick I, was the first person I really worked with. And I did a no. Neil Simon play with him. So you kind of, <laughs> yeah. it's easy yeah. to learn comedy from people like that. Wow. Yeah. I so lucky. Yeah, I was, it, it was, it, it, you, you've had an amazing career and you continue to, to keep getting into things that you want to do. I mean, I, at your, at your speed and I do, you know, I, I, I appreciate, um, one of the things that I, I, I've enjoyed in your uh, more recent career is, uh, uh, on YouTube, you're, uh, your, your receptionist role in Hold Please. I, I enjoy, I enjoy that very much as, as a comedy venue. It's just, just really, um, clever and it's i i we we have these long form videos now but i think the trend goes towards shorter more impactful moments so you have to kind of compress more of your story into a shorter space and um i i think do you think comedy seems to work better as, a, as in a shorter time frame yeah, i do i yeah because yeah. i i it's, it's you know you want to be emotionally invested in something like apollo 13 obviously yeah so I, I think especially if you're doing what two or three minute episodes my husband and i are actually starting to work on something about like a sort of funny detective show that we're going to try to do on youtube but um because we've been researching that you know they're five pages and they have to be super tight and mildly amusing at the very least and they can't have too much story yeah but it, I mean, that's where, that, with the attention spans that we're having now, that's that's where you got, that's where you got to shoot for. And it's got, it, you know, it's it's like we, we generally our episodes here are twenty minutes on uh, average on our show, because m- most people just don't have time. They don't, you know, it's it's how, you know, when they're when somebody's running on a Peloton, you can't really, <laughs> you can't, you can't have them spend another half mile listening to your show. <laughs> so it's, I mean, it's it's crazy, but that's that's the that's the nature of things nowadays. Um, but you've. Uh, you know, you've got so many different options with drama and with with comedy. Um, we, we we don't we don't tend to have a lot of comedy on the show, but um, <laughs> I bet but that would it, be hard to do a minute of though. It's comedy, like an actual minute. Yeah, I mean there are, there are people that have done like Airplane, the uh, the movie Airplane, oh, and, and there are a bunch of different comedies. It's just it's I mean if if you ever want to kill a joke, dissect it. That's Seriously, <laughs> break, yeah, that's the thing. You can't break. How do you break down Airplane? I love that movie, but. First of all, it's really you could never make that movie today. No, no, and it's so on PC. I I mean, you'd have to, you'd have, and also, I mean, right now it's at the time it was topical, but trying to explain who uh, uh, Barbara Billingsley was, yeah, 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 or uh, um, uh, how uh, the guy that did Prop Thirteen. He's you know he's at the end of the movie or the beginning of the end of the movie. He's the guy in the in the cab, and people don't know who uh, Howard. um, I can't think of his name, of course. Um, but uh, Howard Jarvis, the, the, he he yeah. was the one that came up. He was the one that came up with Prop 13. So it was kind of funny that he was stuck in a cab in 1980. <laughs> it was funny, but nowadays, you know, who's that guy? Uh, <laughs> one of the funniest interviews I ever did um, is we actually interviewed. Um, geez, we interviewed the gentleman who plays Ted Stryker. Um, oh, Robert and, Hayes. Oh, Robert Hayes. Yeah, Robert, Robert Hayes. Hayes. Yeah, Love him. him here. He came to EAA. He's actually an airplane guy. Um, and we did an interview with him in the first like five minutes of the interview. Uh, we do our old history program where we talk to veterans and astronauts and stuff. And, you know, we, we record their serious oral histories for the first five minutes. He did it in the character of Ted Stryker. Um, and it was hysterical. Um, 
and then we did you know he he talked his way all through the filming and everything but then he he told us tons of stories about being on set and just how hysterical that was that we could do a whole show on that i mean it was it was a riot you know and you know with cream abdul jabbar and people on the set but uh uh, and he, his dad was like a big Marine Corps aviator, and he's like, "Hey, Dad, I'm making a movie about airplanes." And his dad thought he was gonna go see like a John Wayne, you Aww. know, Marine Corps, you know, saves the day. And then there's airplane, and he's like, afterwards, lights come up, and Dad was like, "Well, that was that was really something." <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, we we had uh, Robert Hayes was kind enough to be on the final episode of Airport when we did the Airport Minute. And uh, and he came on the show and and talked about being on the movie and he said he he met Helen Hayes once who was in who was in airport and um, you know they both have the same last name except it's spelled differently and he bumped into James he he, he saw James MacArthur who's Helen Hayes's son at a Hawaii Five O thing at SAG and um, he went up to him and he said hi I'm I'm Robert Hayes I'm, I have the same name as your mom and and James MacArthur looked at him and said so. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. Okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh. So, anyway, it was just, yeah, yeah very. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just so he, he knows how to tell, he knows how to tell uh, stories on himself, which is <laughs> it's a, a good thing to have. I remember um, hearing an interview with um, Peter Graves, right? Wasn't that his yeah. name? And, yeah, yeah. And he was saying that, you know, periodically in supermarkets, he'd be standing on his supermarket and there'd be a mom with a little boy. And he would turn around and the mom would, like, protectively pull her son closer to her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you no ever been to a about... Turkish prison, Billy? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Well, we've we've kind of gone gone off the topic of a yeah. but it's okay. It's okay. It's all it's all it's all Hollywood. Um, I do. This is this is great acting. Uh, in any case, I enjoy I enjoy seeing this this one scene with so many different generations of women that uh, that are all doing a great job. And one of the, the one the, the one that really doesn't get the credit in all this is uh, Ron Howard's mom, Jean Spiegel. She does, she plays a great um, mom in a nursing home. Um, and just having to be there and not react to little girls crying and things like that, and not being, uh, you know, seemingly slightly out of touch with everything. I think she does a, a fantastic job here, and uh, Ron Howard did a good job casting his mom in the role. And let's let's just call out the fact that the phrase that she says, of, "If they could build a washing machine to fly, my Jimmy could land it." Is oh yeah, if yeah. I could get that on a T-shirt, that'd be pretty cool. <laughs> you know, Seriously. If I was Jim Lovell, I would wear that. You know, I mean, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a good one, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I do, and I think she's kind of like the unsung hero in this because she has to, she gets the final word and she has to react to all the stuff that's happening in front of her or not react, you know, just just take it all in but not not emote. Um, just a, a great great job, and I love um, the char- I love her character. Like I, I know that it's probably a a representative uh, character, you know, of, of his mom as far as quotes and things like that but um i i gotta say i had a moment like that uh that i shared with hal that i thought was funny uh um we recently put out a book about the b-17 and uh frank borman wrote the forward for our book and i'm so proud of that i send the copy of the book back to my mom in pittsburgh and i'm like hey mom like pretty cool huh you know we wrote a book and she's reading it and she's like so that frank borman guy that wrote your forward does he work with you or something and i'm like (laughs) 
uh, no, mom, he went to the moon in 1968. You know, like, like that's an astronaut. <laughs> so, that's funny. Yeah, typical. I, I just call it out just because of the. Oh, are you boys in the space program too? Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So unimpressed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, wow. Well, Rayanne, it's been wonderful having you on the show. We got to have you on again sometime because this, there's more there's more acting stuff coming up. So we I vote you know, every episode. I'm still saying. I, you know? I, I think yeah. You know, it's if we're all if we're all stuck at home around the house, this would be not a bad idea. Oh, this um, is the most fun I've had in a long time. So thank you so awesome. much. Truly, you got to get out more. <laughs> I, I wish I could. Yeah, I wish I could. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, 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 people that want to want to learn more about the world of Rihanna Black, where can they find out about that? Uh, my website, RihannaBlack.com, with one N. Um, YouTube, the Facebook, the Google. You know, all, all the all the social stuff. All the stuff. Awesome, and it, well, well worth your time. And uh, I can I can personally recommend if you get on the YouTube, go go look go look for Hold Please because I yeah. I laughed. It made me laugh out loud. Just like just like just like the kids say on the internet, the it LOL'd. Oh, thanks, Jim. <laughs> it was good. Wow. <laughs> well, uh, well, we this has been a wonderful week uh, talking talking to Paul Thirteen. We're going to talk uh, more uh, crying kids in uh, in nursing homes uh, next week. And we got some more, some more things coming up with, uh, coffee pots and, uh, turning on light bulbs and stuff. So that, that, that's all sciencey stuff, but this has been interesting, interesting Hollywood, uh, chat. Um, but we'll be back, uh, in the meantime, for people who have missed the previous 95 minutes, and I don't know why you would, uh, go to, uh, Apollo13minute.com, Apollo13 Minute. You can pick up all the previous episodes. They're also available on any of your favorite podcatchers like uh, Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Spotify or any of those things. Uh, they're all out there. And uh, if you like to talk back with us, we're always available on the social media. Uh, just like Rihanna, we're out there on Facebook at uh, Apollo13 Minute Mission Control or on the Twitter at uh, Apollo13 Minute, Apollo13 Minute. Uh, we will see you back here uh, next Monday. So uh, it looks like we're coming up on Loss of Signal in about 30 seconds. So we'll see you here next week. Have a good weekend on the Apollo 13 Minute.